In the ongoing quest to find balance and renewed health, veterans and active military members have often been at the forefront of these conversations. We've recently partnered with Veterans for Healing to share veteran stories of what's worked for them as they've navigated the depth of trauma they experienced in combat. These stories and the information discussed are not intended to substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek your trusted physician or other qualified health provider's advice with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. For more information on today's episode, visit htcpod.com slash stories of healing. I joined the United States Air Force when I was 17 years old. Uh, I really wasn't sure what I was going to do. Uh, got into a little bit of trouble while I was in high school and I had some options in front of me. So it was either college, you know, continuing to figure out what I wanted to do career wise, or it was the military. And I had never thought about the military before. And so went home, had that conversation. My mom was all about it. Get out of here. Do something better with your life. Uh, We got you. So parental signature, joined the Air Force at 17. um, And I shipped off and started my journey with the military. Uh, I absolutely loved the military. I think that for me, it provided some structure that helped me, especially as a young man, seeking what it meant to be a man or to find that structure, you know, around um, what it looks like to be, you know, put together and the discipline and all of those aspects that come along from the military. <clears throat> and so I enjoyed that and I thrived. I was doing really well. Um, and then I had a uh, deployment in 2018 where I went to Saudi Arabia and Qatar and I had done some uh, some light, you know, training, working with some other foreign nationals there. And believe it or not, something I'd never shared on any podcast ever or anywhere ever, I experienced military sexual trauma. And um, I was 18 years old. And uh, really, this is something that I am actually currently working through with some mental health professionals. And um, I did not realize how much it had affected my life until I'm 31 now, (laughs) you know, and realizing how that sort of had played into some of my issues in relationships and even myself, my own self-love, my own self-worth, my understanding of who I am as a man, all of those things. And so, um, damn, y'all got it out of me real quick. So it needed to come out. Thank you for trusting us. Yeah, absolutely. No, and it's, and it's tough. And I think that, you know, it's something that I'm still really trying to understand myself. And I know in our community, there are a lot of folks that struggle um, with this and understanding that. And so I still have a lot of healing to do myself and understanding and, and a journey in front of me. But I think that the moral of this is like, share your stuff, like get it out there and, and maybe do it. I wish I would have done it sooner. I really do. I mean, there's so much freedom in expressing something like that and being able to work through that with professionals and understand it a little better. And so really, I wish I would have spoken up a little sooner, but glad that I am now. What was the catalyst um, for sharing? Relational issues, to be honest with you. I was like, I'm just not exactly sure, you know, why I struggled with really even uh, just intimacy. And I know that I hear from vets that also struggle with intimacy and there's a various uh, amount of reasons why some of that's trauma related. PT- I was always like, ah, oh, it's my PTSD. It's whatever. I'm just don't get close to people, all of that. But in reality, there were some psychological things that may have happened there. I mean, I was young and really didn't quite understand it. And it, and it, um, you know, 
uncomfortable. <laughs> That's all yeah. I can really say. Yeah. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. Did you know of anybody else at the time you could share it with, or did you just fully keep that all to yourself? <sighs> no. No, definitely kept it all to myself. Um, it's not something, especially as like a man, you know, you don't share that. Like that doesn't happen to men. <laughs> right. So people say. Uh, Such a but stigma, I, right? Yeah. There really is. And to be honest with you, I was, I was in college this last semester and we had to do this project and it was around, you know, something that you would put like an ad council ad out for. And I did some research and I found out that like, and one, you know, don't quote me exactly on this. I forget exactly where the source was, but I'll try to find it. But it said that one, regardless, it's a high statistic. It said one in six men are sexually assaulted. And so that's not military. That's not, you know, that's everybody. And that's the people that report it. So what I can't imagine is how many people have not reported either MST or being sexually assaulted. And that is something that they don't necessarily understand, live with, and are like really struggling with, you know, like not even that it's like causing a lot of chaos, but the way that you think and some of the, you know, psychological changes that can happen from that are, are you know, they're big and it's stuff that needs to be talked about. And so, yeah, that was. Uh, Did you find that you repressed it like a lot? And so you didn't even recognize that that's what it was. Oh, absolutely. I even also feel as though not only did I like repress it, I I really felt as though I like overcompensated to be a man because of it. You know what I mean? Like you think that that's that makes you a certain way. So you have to act a different way to be stronger than or to get over those feelings or whatever. And so that in itself was really um, interesting now that I look back I obviously here in a spot of being more healed stepping stepping further away from my trauma I'm able to look back and be like oh my god I get it like yeah. all of this makes sense I like am able to like deconstruct some of these things that had happened and mm-hmm. um you know it helps but uh still still need to work through some of that so yeah that's you know 18 years old great start to the military but <laughs> regardless I still absolutely loved um my career. I feel like I found a place for me to take. I had all of this like drive and energy and I was able to sort of find a place that I knew where to put it and was able to excel and advance. I was able to become a staff sergeant E5 at 20 years old. Um, I was one of like three in the air force, you know, only toot my own horn a little bit. Cause you know, it's, you know, we don't ever talk about this stuff anymore. Right. And, uh, I'm proud of my service. I, I, um, really tried to do the best I could without knowing exactly what the military is or what it would do to me later. You know, like in that you're just like, this is awesome. And I'm traveling and I'm doing all the things, but, um, yeah, so that's 18. Uh, had a couple other TDYs, had gone some places, Hawaii, had gone overseas, Germany, a couple different places. Um, and then I had a deployment to Iraq in 2010, um, where that was probably the most intense as far as trauma goes. Uh, just really, just, my God, just, it's war. <laughs> war is racket. And uh, really difficult. I believe we had spoken on another podcast previously about some of my story, and, and that's in there. But um, really, my focus heavily became other people after my deployment because I realized like I was so messed up and uh, just really trying to wrap my head around things I had seen and the stuff that you're a part of and why were we there and all of all of these different things it's it's a it's a hodgepodge of emotions for sure but really being able to uh, step away I I, um, 
you know, with my own struggle after that, I'd gotten out of the military in 2014. Uh, so I tried, I retrained, got into a new job after my deployment, uh, but just really couldn't do it anymore. The military life was not for me. And really that all changed right there in that 2010 time. I just, uh, just sort of had enough. So when you're in the military and something traumatic happens like day of you know how firefighters or policemen like if there's a gunfire they have to see some kind of therapist to like continue is is there anything like that on base for people yeah yeah there is there you know and there's a lot of different protocols for different units and and different branches and all of the different things so but for us specifically when you're deployed no it's like something happens, you move on, you do, you know, you have like mission briefs and things like that and you'll debrief and talk about it, but there's really no time to feel. You just kind of move on and, and you have a mission to accomplish. A lot of the times we were in between like forward operating bases and so if we were hit by an IED, you know, we'd go to the next base, try to get whatever recovery, help, care that we could, restock, resupply, and then you're on to like the next base because you have all of these supplies that need to get to where they need to. So if like a truck was destroyed, they'd literally replace the truck and you're on your way. Like you're indispensable pieces of equipment, really. And so nothing really stops. But uh, they had, as I was leaving, and I didn't get to be a part of this, they were starting to do a reintegration training in Germany for everyone that had been to combat. You would then go to like a week-long reintegration training. Um, So there is somewhat... You know, the little bit that they can do, there's some sort of parameters around that, but there's still just not enough. Yeah. A week doesn't seem like enough time. A week doesn't seem like enough time. And then to be honest with you, no one really knows what they're doing and no one knows how to handle this because really every single person interprets trauma completely different. You could watch your buddy die in front of you and be completely different than the guy next to you that also watched his buddy die. So it's really interesting because while there are, you know, certain... Uh, similarities in drama, it's completely different as to how it affects someone. And a lot of times you realize that these larger traumas just re-accentuate smaller traumas that have been happening all along. And now you're one of, gonna, I did for years, put one label on it, focused on one trauma until I realized that that was just like the, what sent it over the edge to spark all of these other little fires from the traumas that I wasn't addressing, that I wasn't feeling, that I wasn't, um, you know, taking the time to work through. So, yeah. It's tough. I, that's what been one of the big takeaways so far with like filming this is that it always comes back to just those root things that a lot of the times were pre-military or, you know, were heightened during. And, and so it's just very interesting to hear you kind of validate that. Yeah. And I believe that, you know, um, that's why these organizations exist like veterans for healing and balanced veterans. Like we are doing the best that we can to try to create some sort of a safety net between what's not happening. Like we, we all experience it. We see it yet. We're not sure why there's not this like aftercare or reintegration or something to help you with transition. And so, you know, there's a lot of great orcs doing a lot of things, but I really love that, you know, guys like Fabian, Henry, and Aaron Newsom, like, those guys are walking the walk that they talk, and, like, we put in the work to heal, and um, so it, learning from each other has just been invaluable. Mm-hmm. We had a counselor on, well, he's a emotional freedom technique therapist on a, a month or so ago, and so he was basically saying we're born with a certain amount of, he called them soldiers in, in our brain, and that's basically our 
our strength to handle things that happen to us in our lives. And with each trauma, a few of our soldiers go fight kind of that war, that trauma that happened. And then another trauma happens and then more soldiers go fight and you, but you only have a certain amount. And so you get to, like you said, the, you know, the thing that sent you over the edge and you basically have a breakdown until you can get some of your soldiers back from healing from those traumatic events from your path. Ooh, I like that. You're like the last man standing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That was one of my favorite kind of metaphors. And I think plant medicines can really help us get those soldiers back. For real. (laughs) For me anyway. Yeah, no, let's talk about that for you. Sure. Uh, Plant medicine was really a catalyst because I think up until you see things different, you're going to sort of spin in whatever you're seeing. And I just had a bunch of mess in front of me. I had a lens of trauma and really was a victim. And it's okay to be a victim. I think that I want vets to hear me say that like, and all people really like take your time and feel what you feel. And if something traumatic happened to you, allow yourself to feel that don't let anyone downplay that and like, have your moment. But also do not live in victimhood. Because you'll just spend years be really being your own worst enemy because you're going to constantly be fighting yourself. Because at the end of the day, everyone does want to help. They just need to know how to. And unless you know how you need the help, there's no way to really get it. You can enter all the PTSD programs. You can be sent away. You can do all the things. But until you've really gotten down to the core of who you are, your last man standing to figure out how who you need to bring back in, um, it can be really chaotic and, and you've got to get real with yourself. And I did, I lied to myself, you know, like I didn't talk about other traumas that I had and I'm good. I'm, You're like one's I'm, enough. I'm, yeah. <laughs> right. One, one's good. We can, fo- we can stop there and focus on that. Of that too, my friend. Yeah. But it's, it's so much more and, and, um, realizing how those play a role into not only, how they affect us, but like our lens then from then on, you know, like everything Mm -hmm. that you view is through the eyes of like, man, I've been hurt or traumatized or whatever. And, you know, while that's all still true for me, I chose to clear that lens and, and look at it through a level of gratitude. Like, I'm just glad I'm alive. I'm grateful to be able to sit down and have these conversations while I had a terrible day today. I am like, it's such a beautiful thing and an honor to be on this, to share my story, to potentially hopefully help someone that's listening that, you know, they, they have hope. There's definitely hope. I'll tell you that. I've met a lot of folks and there's a lot of hope. Uh, you just got to be able to, to see it. Yeah. yeah. Did the gratitude come after the healing and help or did the healing come after you, you started focusing more on the gratitude? Well, that's a good question. I believe that I have not stopped healing um, since I've left. And I think that healing is really potentially a lifelong journey for some of us. And um, I chose to change my perspective to reflect gratitude. Not early on, not early on enough. That's for sure. I went through hell, like trying to figure it out, like I'm owed this. You guys need to help me. The the military fucked true. me up. That is true. I mean, you are owed <laughs> it, it is. because you serve. Yes, it, it is. But when we get too stuck on that, which it's all true, like we do deserve that help. And I deserve you need the help options. that I get from the VA. You deserve you need options. The options. You deserve the options. Exactly. Yeah. 
it, it it comes down to really not knowing where to like even in the midst of all my like chaos and and traumas like i didn't know how to get the help like the va is only there so much and i was i was actually running from veteranhood whatever you want to call that like i didn't i didn't associate myself as a veteran i had actually jumped into a whole other world working in churches and things like that and i was like sort of staying as far away from being a veteran as i could because it was uncomfortable because Everybody else was also talking about their trauma all the time. Like this world, when you talk to, not, this isn't every veteran, but there's a lot of really hurt people <laughs> and trauma. And um, man, it gets really heavy sometimes, even to just have a simple conversation with someone. You're like, yeah, we served together. Next thing you know, it's, it's like, yeah, and lost all my friends and all this happened and I'm divorced and I'm, you know, and the next thing you know, you're in this real deep conversation. And I love that. It's a beautiful thing. But I was not ready for it. And I was having these conversations with friends and I'm like being even more traumatized. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm miserable and I'm spinning and it wasn't good. And so did it trigger in you the things that you needed to heal within yourself hearing these yeah, stories? Absolutely. But you don't know that. You know what I mean? Right. Like none of us even really right. realize it in that moment where you're like, why is everything so the hard? The reason why I ask <laughs> is because I I feel the same way, like having these conversations with other people, it's always a mirror back into me. And that does make you just spiral yeah. if if you don't have a hold of it, for sure. I was just curious. I'm sorry. I didn't no, know. no, that that's a really great point. I mean, it, it, it and that does like it, it, we really can, I think as humans, we can comfort other humans because the human condition is really suffering. There's always something happening. Someone's dying or something, you know, I, I was just at a funeral last week and like, it, it's amazing that when something traumatic happens, there is a pause, like people's lives pause and we like feel for a little bit, but sometimes I don't know if we're feeling the right ways or if we're processing the right way. And I'm not saying that there is a right way. I think that that's like super individualized. But for me, I wasn't processing the right way. I would drink alcohol or I would, you know, go. And that's, that's sometimes that's relatable because like in the military, we did that. I would sit on the porch with my buddy, we'd drink beers and we'd talk about our traumas. And that to me was healing because we're getting it out there We're we're sharing it with someone and, and feeling it a little bit, but then numbing it. So we don't feel it too much, you know, like you feel it a little bit, but like, let's numb it out and make it fun. And you don't have that effect with plant medicine. You don't feel like it's a numbing agent for you. Oh man, I wish sometimes, but no, it's, it's, <laughs> like it's one of those, glass. it's like it a really magnifying is. glass. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, that's a great way to put it. It, it really does. And it, it's not even that it, it magnifies. It's just like, you're not going to run from it. It's not like an escape. If anything, you may feel it more and, but it's not as like intense. It's there. You realize it. And I think that I'm able to really sit with myself with compassion. And when we say plant. Dance. It's a very delicate dance. It's a balance. (laughs) And uh, when we talk plant medicines, I mean, there are just so many out there to even, you know, utilize. And I think for me, cannabis was a a huge, huge tool to help me at least my daily driver. It helps with pain and it helps with all of the other things that come along with some of those traumas and um, allowed me to process my thoughts and emotions a little bit better. Yeah. I want to... uh... And we can edit this out if you don't want to talk about it. But um, Cal mentioned that you did a ayahuasca journey recently. <laughs> yeah, I sure did. I, I actually have not talked about, about this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah, we can we can edit it. No, you're you're good. You're you're okay. I did it in a safe space, so I mean it's it's not really uh, 
you know, it's not something that I want to shy away from. We've got lots of people that are doing this, just no one's really talking about it, I think because of the legalities around it. And so, uh, yeah, it's, was it a that was retreat? a really, it was a full retreat. It was a three-day deal. I met with some other veterans out in California in a decriminalized area. And um, we were able to go through a ceremony, multiple ceremonies together with someone that has been practicing for over 30 years. And so within that, we learned a ton, not only about like the medicines, but ourselves and how some of those medicines can help and how some of them work together. And it was a really beautiful experience. But um, yeah, I, I would say as far as ayahuasca, it was a really, really intense experience for a lot of folks in the room and even I think all of us there were like we've been putting in the work you know like everyone yeah. everyone there had been like this is the next leading... step <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> we were like leading people and helping we're and gonna doing graduate, everything guys. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. and then we met grandmother ayahuasca and realized like none of us knew anything like, at all and, uh, <laughs> it was that intense she really did backhand all of us. Uh, it, I, I wouldn't say, yeah, it was that intense. Yeah, really? <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's yeah. Um, but it, I don't say that to scare anyone at all. It was a beautiful yeah. experience. I think that um, it was not as psychedelic as I was expecting. And again, here's the problem is a lot of people go into these experiences expecting something like, oh, I heard somebody tell me that they did X, Y, Z. And so that's probably going to happen for me. And so right. you're laying there like waiting for the thing to happen. And um, I was expecting a whole lot. I was mm. I was expecting like visuals. And uh, the thing was the night before we had done something else. So it was a combination of two different plant medicines and it was one of the coolest, most amazing experiences I've ever had. And so I was like really expecting that to happen again on like a larger scale. I was like, here we are. This is this is what's going to happen. But it was very different. It uh, really came in, did a body scan. Um, you could really feel it sort of course through your body. You drank the tea and you feel it sort of scan your body and see what's going on. And what was wild is I've had like a, a herniated disc and like lower back pain and I felt literally the medicine sort of stay in that area and like burn and radiate and uh move through it was really really cool um but yeah and then after that you'll sort of feel it all come to the center of your chest and things got really really warm and then i started to feel sick to my stomach and then you purge and so um i purged i threw up just a little bit and from there it was like absolute bliss I have never felt so weightless, um, so like empty in a long time. And I feel as though there's just like wisdom downloads happening from Grandmother Aya that you really can't even explain. And seeing yourself and being able to comfort yourself through some of those, like, again, back to like childhood times. I think we all, regardless of how good your childhood was, there's always things that happen that allow you to see things the way you do now. And so not that everybody needs to deconstruct everything they've ever learned, <laughs> right. but it may be a good idea to look at some of the things you learned and how they're not serving you but anymore. That goes back into what you were saying earlier about you, you don't want to stay in the victim because that will keep you in that spot. Yeah, it can. It can't. But like all of it really can. If you look at it this Absolutely. way, like we we all have trauma and things that happen and in any moment we can choose to live in that like this happened i need this i need reconciliation i need people to see me understand this you know and that's true i think for a time but if you can rise above that and see yourself almost 
being that way, I feel like there's just so much more power and freedom that can happen because you're there with it. You understand that you are sort of being a victim. You deserve it. You have compassion for yourself. But now instead of just like, all right, now what? You have to find what you need to like heal and work through that. And I think some of these tools really help because the medicine's not like, there you go, you're healed. (laughs) It's like, hey, here's some things that you should fix in your life to maybe operate a little bit differently and it could help you find a little bit more freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, for me anyway, uh, and again, this is all my opinion, um, but it, 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 it really helps to sort of prioritize what's important in life and, and what's not, and not even at a superficial level, but like really deep, you know, mm-hmm. like what you want out of life. So that was my experience. Sorry, it was super vague. Yeah, kind no, of. I, don't, I, I really be. don't. I don't want to put expectations out there for anyone. I think that if you come, and I again, I also do not believe that all of these plant medicines are for everyone. I think that, um, you know, consult with a professional. There was a lot of prep work that I did for that. I had fasted for a long time. I had uh, done quite a few things to sort of cleanse my body to prepare for that. So it's not just like, all right, let's do it, yeah. you know, and you're like hopping in, bring some preparation to the table and you know, there are other plant medicines that can help you on ramp into an experience like that. But I think that if someone is really at a low point, maybe even suicidal or really struggling with a crisis, it's a really good tool to like skip all the other steps and get to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there are a lot of other tools that can help and plants that can help um, before going that big as well. Yeah. What was the selling point, though, for you that you were like, OK, I think I will give this a try? It was not even that I felt as though I needed this deep work. It was more that I had brothers that were also doing this work, meeting there, and we were going to go through this experience together. Um, I think that was like really powerful for me to like, like, like you can't even, it's not even tangible to explain the energy in that room um, of like feeling other people that have a heart like I do to love and serve other veterans, regardless of everything i mean we get shit on and it's there's you know it's it's a it's a rough rough life for some of us so it's a business yeah yeah. so then to feel that to feel that that love and that that real energy from those good people it was a beautiful thing and i think from that we like took this bright bright light from that area in california and we took it back to all of our you know states and continue to operate that way and and really hope to our our goal and idea was how do we help more veterans really access these types of modalities to do this deep work that we see as helping us, that we're able to, because we're privileged and financially able to make this happen, we have access to this. But that should not be the case. Like people that are not financially, like to some of these experiences that people are having to go through, and this wasn't the case for us, but like they have to spend, you know, three, four grand to go to a foreign country to try this thing that might just help them, or they may not even have an experience, period. Yeah. So it's really unfortunate that we've set these barriers and that a lot of it is just a lack of education, a stigma, again, just like cannabis, that... You know, it's, it's when we see a certain way, we are no, we're we're not able to see anything different. And I think a lot of people are stuck, the government or whatever had told them that these things are bad. And so they'll always be viewed bad, regardless of how many people they're helping. Um, And so that's, that's frustrating. (laughs) Do you you feel that changing though, with it becoming uh, decriminalized and like the stigma wearing? On a small scale. Because it's exciting for us that live in this bubble 
when we follow the pages that promote the things that are happening. But when you don't follow those pages and you step out of it, it's not being talked about. It's not being seen. New York Times did just, I think yesterday, promote something about MDMA. And this is like the first talk of any psychedelic uh, being used in medicine. And, you know, potentially in the next two years, that could be prescribed as a medicine. I know MAPS has done a ton of work and research, and there's a lot of evidence backing that. But that's one thing where, you know, that's one substance that's, there are many that are being studied and tested, but it's taken so long for even that one to be put through, even with all of the evidence. So it's a conversation. It's happening more. I think there's more acceptance. We see, you know, a lot of cities decriminalizing and I'm here working in Philadelphia with a decriminalized nature and, and trying to push those efforts forward because we believe that people should have the access to this. Um, and look at some of these cities, our city here in Philadelphia, with the opioid crisis and epidemic. It's it's something that could really help people, period, just having access to some of these plants. So the, I believe yes and no. I think it takes more normal people to come out and say, hey, this changed my life and it worked in this way and here's why and it wasn't weird and it didn't kill anyone and all of the things that people are scared of, like really coddling those fears for people that have that and letting them know, like, this is just what you were told. This is not <laughs> yeah, the reality. Yeah, I picture that broken egg. This is your brain on drugs, like frying, you know? Yeah. Can I be honest with you guys? Like that, the picture of the broken egg, like before I went on this journey, I was really scared. I was even having, like, I was having some like heart problems and things that I'm working through and so I did all my research. I was like, you know, will this kill me? Is this going to, am I going to go psychologically crazy? Like I was looking up that, you know, you yeah. get, you know, it can all cause psychosis. And yeah, all will I the come no back from this? Right. Yeah. So I, I was, I was a little nervous. I even went as far as filmed the video that if I were to pass away, I chose to do this healing and this was why and all of these things. Like it got really intense for me and I was crying and all of this stuff because it was very intense. But and then when that happened, my goodness, it was like you're you, you it all passed and you're like, wow, I cannot even believe that like all of those lies fed into my anxieties. Like I was believing those things, even there getting ready to do it, thinking those things and none of it was true. You know, I had a, a beautiful experience. It was comfortable and, and, um, you know, not at all what I had read on the internet. So don't always do your reading on the internet. <laughs> no WebMD for you, Ron. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Try to find someone that's gone through it and ask some questions. Yeah. <laughs> But even and then, again, it's, it's different so for everyone. Yeah. So it's like until you experience it, you're just not going to know. You will have those expectations, I think. Um, yeah, and and you won't know until you're until you're in that spot, and it's up to you to figure out how you want to, you know, treat yourself. And and like you said, and what we continue to say and echo is that we need options, and we need to talk about those options and let people decide for themselves, for sure. Yes. For sure. Yes options leading up to today i was um i went on the new website and i started looking and i'm not gonna lie ron i got a little emotional <laughs> because <laughs> i i did i was surprise surprise but i think back to when i met you a few years ago and when this thing was getting started and to see mm. what it's becoming and what it's already become like i get goosebumps just thinking about it because i'm <laughs> so excited for you you have gone from thank you just balance veterans and trying to find your own balance within this to really affecting change on a massive, massive level that I don't, you're too humble to even recognize it. But as your friend, I'm going to sit here and shout your praises till I can't anymore. It is so cool to see what you're doing. 
Can you talk a little bit about the changes that you've made since, you know, you started this a few years ago? Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for saying that. It it really, again, it's an honor to be having the conversation with you again. And I love that it's called Have the Conversation because it's literally like what we're doing. We're having the conversation on the nose. Yeah, Yeah, you know me. It's got to make sense. You know what's really great about it, though? Like I've I've said it before and I think about it and I'm like, there's nothing better. You're literally having a conversation. Like I think about it and I think of you guys. Uh, So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. It has been, oh my God, it has been a long few years. Um, it really, really has. A lot of, <laughs> for you guys as well. I've I've also, to echo, watched you guys evolve and it's just been really cool and beautiful to see. And I think that that's what's neat is still a few years later, we are connected and, and continuing to work together even more because we see the good in each other and, and us not just like being all words, it's all action. You know, a lot of the words came on the back end of action and I think that that's really cool. But you know, it, it got really challenging and it does get challenging even still. I mean, there are many times that I was like, why in the world do I do this? What is, this is, this is more triggering than healing, if anything, you know, like there's a lot of, a lot of crap when it comes to even just managing a nonprofit world, you know, a lot of admin work and things that I'm not good at. <laughs> and so there was a lot of the, like, uh, uphill and then you've got other organizations doing things or organizations that say they're organizations that are just Facebook groups that aren't actually organizations that are peeing in your Cheerios and you're trying to like play the game and just just try to help people. (laughs) Yeah, that's really it. I want literally everyone to win. I feel like everyone can. If you've got an idea and you want to create an org, you can do it and you can win and, and I'm all about it. And so all along, like our hearts and hands have always been open. This was never like my thing or our thing. Like we were all about like, let's do this together. How can we help each other together? Because really it is so hard to do alone. And so that kind of caused a restructuring for us or, or me to think really like, how can we do this different to help more people to not burn me and the small team that we have out because yeah. it's just not sustainable to continue to do this. And so early on, we had been talking to an organization called Operation 1620 out of Chicago, Illinois. And Caleb Masoner is their executive director. He and I, my goodness, I think we're like brothers in another lifetime. Like we both like played guitar on our worship teams. Like we have so many similarities. It's really odd. But at the same time, like we are so different. Like I am like this visionary dreamer. Let's do this creative. And he's like very strict business analytics. He's a senior business analyst. Does uh, he drive you crazy? (laughs) He does. No. The beautiful thing is... Yeah, in like the best way. The beautiful thing is like we like sort of just came together and work really, really well together. We can both it's been really healing, honestly, for I think both of us to have the the brother to call to be like, dude, what is going on in our community right now? You know, and sort of work through that how we how we best can. And um so that's been really cool. But with that obviously brought a, a whole unique set of changes for us where we're working with a lawyer and a financial team and trying to figure out all of that stuff so that it's actually legitimate on the back end and 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 we didn't just bring two orgs together there's purpose in all of that so a lot of that stuff is still shaking out but what that did was bring us a a more of a team it brought more of a structure we're figuring out we did a lot of the same programs and so um we figured out how to sort of bring that together to help more people Um, But what we did was we called it the Balanced Veterans Network and broke it into four main areas, similar to Veterans for Healing's uh, pillar system. But we focus on um, 
uh, Operation 1620, which is cannabis. We're not changing that. This is a cannabis rifle, trademarked. We love it. It's so cool. I know I keep staring at it. I I am a huge fan of the cannabis rifle. Um, And so that really anything that we do with cannabis, we're calling Operation 1620. So our medical marijuana certifications, all of our education. Um, A lot of the states that veterans are in, there is home cultivation that's legal. So we're bringing education around how to do that. Even though I can in my state, it's super sad. And it's hard to go film and not be able to do. Uh, So the laws need to change around that. Um, We're focusing on mental wellness. So we've got a whole community. You see our website, but on the back end, when you actually join the community, there's a private uh, secure community back there where... Uh, veterans and their families can have conversations that they may not be able to have in other areas and without the repercussions of wondering where that's going. We're not on our own Facebook private group. network. Yeah. <laughs> not a Facebook group. Yeah, it's on our own private network. So all of that stuff is is in some shed in, in California, locked away and secured. And so it, that made us feel good. Uh, another part of what we're doing is movement. Um, it's, and we're doing weekly wellness classes. So we've got a lot of health uh, practitioners and and folks that have have volunteered their time to help us to educate around movement. I think that movement is a vital part of my healing and figuring out the best way to do that, whether it's yoga, hiking, fitness class, whatever, but incorporating movement into the life is is key. Um, and then Project Triangle, which is all things entheogen, so all other sacred plant medicines, educating around things like uh, mushrooms and ayahuasca and and um, all of the different things that, that can be used in plants that aren't traditionally talked about, but we know folks are using, and we want to bring some education around that. So it's just a safe space. But yeah, really, that that's the gist of it all. We, we went from doing one specific thing and sort of made it a little bit bigger, but brought other folks in to help and really creating a, a safe space for these conversations to happen and for really true healing to happen. And it's just another example of how like the pillars we talked about for Fabian's company, it works. It's not just something that a few people have tried and it's a little taboo. Like it is a method that's worked for thousands and thousands of vets. And I don't think you can just limit it to vets too. I mean, everyone needs to get outside. Everybody needs some kind of therapy. And I think just to spread awareness like that is just, it's so key. That's what people need right now. Absolutely. And, and I am, I am just, God, I'm humbled and honored to know Fabian, really, and the work that he's been doing, just championing the healing for Canadian veterans and all that they have accomplished. Like, it's it's really impressive, and it's something that, you know, we're continuing to watch, and hopefully to, you know, in Canada, they can prescribe veterans cannabis, and, and you know, they they get that, and we don't have that in the U.S., and so working with them to understand how some of that works and and the ins and outs, I think, is a beautiful thing for us to really hopefully help veterans all over. And you, like you said, it's way more than veterans. And even for us, we, we expanded to veterans, their families, and supporters. So really anyone that wants to come in, I think a lot of, a lot of our you know, conversations happen around family members and people that are just really confused around what's happening or why a veteran's acting a certain way or, you know, and, and, and providing that help for them. I know for for me, like that's the people closest to me, maybe the people I've hurt the most for sure, because we don't understand what's going on and healing can be very messy. And, and so having that place for folks to be able to maybe even talk to other caregivers and other people that are, that are going through it, I think is important. So that's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's an honor to be doing this for sure. I feel like, well, with the lack of support that veterans get, there can't be too much out there for 
the supporters. Yeah, there should be more. That's for sure. I, I, I really would love to see more. And, and our team's going to do the best that we can to develop things. But goodness, it's it's a whole world just for veterans in itself. And so providing more for caregivers and, and family members is, is part of our mission for sure this year. I love that y'all are doing that. You've recently been behind some podiums and in front of some very big buildings <laughs> doing some legislation work. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? With a great photographer, yeah. too, by the way. Yeah. I mean, all your stuff, you're just hitting it out of the park. <laughs> uh, you guys are awesome. Yeah, man, words without action are nothing. And so we, we, we educate and advocate for the use of alternative therapies for veterans and their families. And so that's exactly what I was doing. I had the honor of speaking at the Capitol here in Pennsylvania um, on behalf of uh, the legalization efforts for cannabis and you know there's a lot there everybody's like oh my goodness they're like you know new jersey's legalizing and they're blah 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 they're really not you know what i mean there's still a ton of restrictions that are happening among the word legalization and so it's important for us to go have our voices heard for people to understand exactly like what we need um and so i believe that while legalization is a great goal, I still think that we've got a lot of work to do in our medical program. I think that there are still a lot of, of uh, medical patients that are not um, have they don't have the access to it. The the program's too expensive. There's you know there's no home cultivation. So the supply and demand is not there. So access is still a huge issue, even in a state that's got a legal medical program and you know all of these growers and processors so that's really why i'm doing that and we'll continue to as an organization to provide opportunities for folks to voice their opinions and to help us to to move forward and i don't want to share too much about what we're doing but the fact that we brought two orgs together uh we're working on turning one of those orgs into more of a legislation uh organization so that we are able to potentially craft legislation for veterans by veterans and and make real change yeah like that's that's the exciting stuff like for us to potentially be in there and have some real conversations and and help be a part of this from literally the ground up Yeah, the ground up, cool. grassroots, baby. Yeah. That's how this works. Uh, that speaks to my soul. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. It's a lot of work, though. God, oh, it's hard. Oh, it is. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Nothing worth having is, you know, you don't get to wake up and just Instagram it. It's the thousands and thousands of hours and in, in the time put in behind the scenes. So sick for of sure. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, don't go there. We are. It's so God. true. Actually, yeah. let's talk about it for just a highlight of that. That is a part of your business. That is a lot where Balance Scott started. How hard yeah, is no it doubt. for you to walk away from that, knowing that that's how it started? Is there some risk or is there some fear there? of? There's a lot of risk, a lot of fear there. I really do think that it, there was so much power. There is so much power in social media. And I think a lot of our connections happened early on off of social media. It was actively you know, sharing other companies' products and doing all those sort of things. We really just had to restructure a little bit and make sure that we are presenting in a very professional way. Again, a lot of folks thought that the Balanced Veterans account was me personally. And, you know, so like changing that dynamic a little bit, you'll notice I start posting a lot more on my my personal page because I want to have my own separate views and opinions outside of our organization. We are a nonprofit with a collective of people that believe different things. And so it's not like I'm here like this is the one way. You know, it's a very, it's, we're having tough conversations about how to operate and move forward. And so that was something that we, uh, 
it was really tough to do step back from social media but then i realized like how much is really just fabricated even for other organizations i was like stressed out because i'm like oh my god i didn't post about this and there was this going on and there was this going on and like really that doesn't mean just because they have a post that has a bunch of likes on it does not mean that they're a successful business or that they're doing well i mean you can buy all of that stuff on the internet exactly you can buy it now it's It's crazy That's like it's, where we refuse to even like play. We're like, we will walk away and we will just continue to do this for fun. If that's the case, you can get and, lost in it. And I can imagine. Well, that's the unfortunate part is you have to pay to play with these social media yeah. giants. Like if you don't pay to play, your stuff does not get seen. So like for us, that was also, we were, we were starting to run like some ads on like Facebook, which also owns Instagram and yeah. Yeah. trying to get some of the, some of that stuff up and viewed and Operation 1620 was completely banned. They had all of their advertising banned completely for providing education around cannabis for veterans. I, it blows my mind. We sent them, I have messages after message with Facebook about us saying, hey, we're an educational nonprofit. We've got veterans committing suicide. This is an alternative therapy that could help. Like, please allow us to advertise. And they blocked that. So that was part of, that was sort of part of us creating our own private network to be able to say whatever the fuck we need to say. Excuse my language. But like, I just cannot believe that there are people that are like, you know, stifling what people can talk about. That, that's, uh, that's scary, scary territory to be in. Um, And so, yeah, social media, while it's, I believe, a still a necessary evil, you know, it's something that we've moved away from some quite a bit. And, when those folks that sort of die off that don't have the regular engagement that weren't really supporting in the first place, they were just sort of liking your pictures and it was the same people. Like you really see who your like day oneers, your true like your true supporters are when you step off of that and see who's still got your back when you're out there grassroots doing the work. And that was the thing, like all along, just because we had Instagram posts, we were doing there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that like we can't even keep up with. It overwhelmed me to a point of like mental exhaustion. Like I don't even want to post. Yeah. Um, so that's why we take August off. Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Seriously, that is. That's why we take August and December off because we're just like we have to know that there's an end to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah, know, it yeah. cannot be indefinite. See, that's a good way to put it. There's got to be an end to it because for me, I don't ever see the end. You know, like in that, I think it's so overwhelming because then some days you're like, oh, this is awesome. I want to do it. And then other days you're like, will this ever end? The limit does not exist. You know, what is, what's the goal here? Mm -hmm. You know, like is the goal followers or likes? Like none of that is the case. It's really genuinely for us to get our business to grow. Yeah. So it it really, and then that becomes that psychological, you know, the social dilemma, Netflix documentary, whatever, that whole psychological game that social media becomes, you know, it's, it's tough to, to step out of really, yeah, you can get really stuck. Is. Well, cause it's hard to the, the likes and the following, it can represent a huge company doing great things and a huge following, Absolutely. but it, but it doesn't always. And so it's, it, you said it, it, it's fabricated and it seems to be more. And, and it got us in front of a lot of veterans that are stuck at home. Like social media is a powerful tool and right. a lot of veterans that are struggling or stuck in the trauma, they isolate and really like, but they're still on social media. We've got a bunch of people that don't even have profile pictures. They're like ghost accounts, but I know for a fact they're real veterans. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Like, 
not all of them, but there there are a few examples of that where they're like they don't want to be known, seen, heard, whatever, but they're on the outskirts, watching, participating, doing what they can, and so there is a need for us to still be in and on some of these social media platforms, but really strictly for that to push the mission forward and to direct people to actual help. So really, just trying to do it a little bit different, restructuring. We haven't posted in a little while, but we've got some plans here on a few of our accounts to start back up, but. Um, it's tough. That's, that's for me being my world is I'm an advertising major and like, I, I think creatively and all things really creative direction, similar to Ucala. And, and I think that, um, it becomes maddening at times and it really <laughs> became something that was more detrimental to my mental health than it was positive for our organization. Cal has never nodded so hard in her life. <laughs> my hat's going to fly off y'all. It's like a whiplash. She's like a little head over there. Oh, yeah, like, yes. but it's, it's so true because you speak to me on this stuff because it, it is yeah. it's so true when you're in it and you, and you research it and you know, and you're in the trenches and you know how to facilitate it to make it work. But when it doesn't like, resonate with your soul and your work it's such a like it they intersect and when you're in the middle of that it is really hard to figure your way out of how what you want to do next and and i mean that like it it stifles you to the point where you can't do much you're really sort of informing your next step off of what other people are doing it's a battle of authenticity for sure yeah and like i was like what do i want to do what is our team really doing right now that matters so it's good. I think that it's all it's it's good to shake it up and it's your punk rock. Roots I love, I, but I also <laughs> I also love social media. You know, I like I, I'm, I got fun. a thing. I have like this romantic relationship with Instagram stories. I don't know what it is. Like it's like my digital journal. I I love to story. I love to like. I don't know. And half the time, like people are like, "Why don't you respond to me?" I'm like, "I'm not even looking at messages, man. Yeah. I'm like doing my thing. I'm not even." You know, like it's there for me, and and uh, so I enjoy That's it. So it's like a love hate relationship because mm-hmm. it's serving you. It, you know. Yeah, I, it is. When it doesn't serve me anymore, I'll throw my phone out yeah. the window. Yeah, and Preach. then and then you're like, oh shit, why did I do that? And then go cry. Yeah, and then I'll freak out and I'll go find it, and <laughs> you know, social media. I'm addicted. <laughs> I'm totally addicted to social media. I get it. I admit it. <sighs> I'm here for it. That's how it's engineered, though. Like we wouldn't use it constantly every day otherwise. It's you know, yeah. they right. know how to get to us. But, but it kind of goes back to like what you were saying when we first got on here. It's like, you have to share your story. You have to share who you are because that can affect change. You may never even know who it affects, mm-hmm. honestly. And I think that's yeah. the case for a lot of it in social media. The people that you're actually touching, you probably don't even know. Yeah, yeah for sure. And that's the beauty of sharing your story is like it, you're going to relate with somebody somewhere at Mm -hmm. some point that's gone through something that has happened and like so I'm always always encouraging veterans when they can because it's not always a comfortable and it's not always a safe space too but when you work through some things share how you did it because like people need to know there is no one path one program one way like we all need to find some things that can help so I love hearing stories of of healing really and and stories of folks finding things that work and I think that for me I've found that it is a hodgepodge of things I need to incorporate a lot of different things into my life for that and can you share some of those yeah absolutely um for me I'm learning this is something that I'm learning to incorporate more of but play is so important like finding things that and this is something that my current partner is helping me with Victoria she is a very 
very playful person because she's a kid's yoga teacher sometimes. And um, that really does help me. And I realized how important it was to really connect with yourself was to connect with that inner child or that like, what is fun for you? What is fun for me? And so I've been on a, on a journey of discovering like what's fun for me really. And I'm, I'm, I haven't figured it out yet, but <laughs> like, I'm really still trying fun. to, <laughs> nothing's <laughs> working. <laughs> Nothing, to be honest, it's weird. Like I love to work and uh, that's a problem. It's not fun, but it's, you know, it's like life and I enjoy it. So it's really tough. Yeah. Um, but things like hiking, again, the movement comes into play, like movement it's crucial. So I try to get 30 minutes of movement in some way in my life every day. And sometimes that's just two walks around the block with my dog that equals 30 minutes, you know, like it will just get my blood flowing, get my mind moving. And um, that really helps me. So incorporating that uh, plant medicine has been huge for me. And then talk therapy. I have been actively in different therapy through either the VA, uh, couples counseling even, uh, it's always good to have someone else like sort of hear you out and help you understand and process some of your thoughts to make sense because sometimes we don't always make the most sense to ourselves. And then sometimes it can just be, there can just be so much going on that we need to have someone else say, hey, look, like here's a step forward. Go here, try this or something like that. So that has been crucial for me. Um, and then really, really cutting out toxic energy surrounding yourself with other people that are moving forward that are healing that are trying to be better versions of themselves uh, th there's so many people in the world and there are a lot of folks that do get stuck and that's okay like maybe our paths will cross again soon but i'm not willing to sit and be brought down by negative energy you know people that don't want to put effort in i think that i have compassion and love and i'm there for folks that are struggling but if you're not willing to take a step to make any changes then Sometimes that's just an energy drainer mm -hmm. and it's, mm -hmm. you know, you want someone to be there to, to just sort of coddle or support that trauma and that's tough. So I was that person. I'm a yes man. I'm a people pleaser. Yeah. I want to like, make sure everyone's comfortable and everyone in the room feels good and they're, they're known and meant to, to be there. And, but I had to really draw back on some of that because it's it was exhausting for me. Like I realized how much like energy that was pulling from me and really not allowing me to, to like take care of myself. So like getting selfish with your self-care, uh, said that a few times and think that that's like where I'm at just being selfish, but not in like a mean way, like selfish, because like, I know that if I'm not, I'm going to spiral into something really negative and that's not going to help anyone. Like if I'm not the best version of myself, then it's not going to help anyone, including myself. And that's still selfless in a way, because you know, I mean, you're just human, right? You just know when you're going to run out of batteries and then you need to recharge. Like you don't want to reach that state because then you're going to, you know, it's just a matter of when you're going to start letting people down. Yeah, I've, I've totally, that's been one of the hardest things in my life because I'm also a people pleaser is deciding to, I mean, essentially breaking up with friends or you know just people in your life setting a boundary and maybe sometimes not even and this might be the non-confrontational part of me but not even sharing it with them like definitely it's that's really freaking hard that's really hard yeah that's that's tough and I don't think that it's always necessary because sometimes it's going to create more harm than good exactly. to be mm -hmm. like hey just letting you know you you suck the energy <laughs> out of me and I can't be your friend anymore you know like I, I really do I've noticed that a lot of these things 
they happen without me even trying you know yeah. like if once you're once you're like vibrating on that level that and you're thinking man. that way <laughs> yeah like when you want better for yourself better comes Just and dissolves. i think that like people yeah it dissolves away and i've had folks that i'm like i don't even get why we don't talk anymore and like i don't get it at all but there's a reason for it and maybe my energy repelled them to think about them i don't know yeah. i've had some really interesting things happen over the last 3 years with people and you know community is messy and everyone's going through their own the things the human right <laughs> yeah it, it it it's not just veteran stuff and no. things like that it's relationships and finances and life and you know we're we're it's really messy man people are trying to figure this out and no one really has it figured out no. so we're all just learning from each other. I feel like when I do figure it out, it whatever it is, I'm just gonna burst into flames, and that'll be the end of me. Like it'll be That's like the she, end. She did it. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you think you got it, you're done. I yeah, guess. so I'm like, I'm not gonna try too hard on this right now. <laughs> like, yeah. Not ready to confess yet. Like, no, it's, yeah, it's so true. Guys, this is awesome. I appreciate you so much, yeah, Ron. Ron. Thank you so yeah, much Ron. for sharing all that today yeah absolutely i appreciate it thanks for creating a safe space for me to share and you know there's still there's still a lot and i i i've done a few podcasts now and it's really tough because i feel like i change all the time but i think all of us are we're always ever evolving and learning and growing and um you know i think that just being more vulnerable and allowing people to maybe see how you get through a situation can be super freaking helpful. I've been learning so much from people in like their darkest times just because, you know, being there to support someone, help them through it. Like you don't always have to say anything or do anything, just be there and like help them when you can. And, um, you know, that's been like, for me really the last year is just learning to be more present in like these moments in these stories and people sharing things and, and holding space being present and then taking that and how can I be better for myself and and grow so thank you guys so much beautiful thing man we're rooting for you always yeah <laughs> always wrong. same to you guys give Vic a big hug from us yeah, yeah I can't wait till I can actually will. hug her in real life I feel like I know yeah we, we, meet we need to make that happen for real <laughs> seriously so cool. we talk about it all the time mm-hmm. because you're in Texas and you're in Alabama I'm in Alabama right? now we'll come wherever yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh I know that Bama life I was in Georgia for a while and uh whew, Bible Belt baby you better be going to church no I don't I actually <laughs> neighbors stop by and invite us and they're so friendly and we're like thanks like we've lived that life like i'm yeah that pushes me away from god i'm trying to go closer to him again and and that doesn't involve all that so it's been Ooh, that's a whole other podcast it is, go, man. I tell you, our stories are so Come similar on. like I, I we were supposed to be friends for a reason um we're, we're no very doubt. very similar but yeah no no it's, it's that part of so it's good. that part of surrounding yourself with good people i am so grateful for your encouragement and and your friendship and leanne as well like just you know getting to know you over the last little while and like really really this is what it's all about okay. i mean even though it's digital and we're just passing each other in the the IG stories, it's so real. Like we, we think about you and talk about you often and, and you know, I feel the encouragement from you guys. So thank you so much for that. It means a lot. It really does. That is so nice to hear. <laughs> I know. We're gonna end it on that note. Yeah. That was just too good to talk. So <laughs> Ron, you're the best. We will talk to you so, so soon.
Love you guys so love much. You, Thank you. you. Appreciate Bye. it. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we invite you to come be a part of the HDC community. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Have the Convo. For information on all of our shows, guests, and more, visit htcpod.com. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Talk soon. <laughs>